0: Warning the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Cinematic Rewind. Today, we will be discussing the 1998 film, Coming to America. Joining me today are my usual co-hosts, Cookie.
0: Let your soul glow.
1: And Regent.
2: Thanks for having me back.
1: How are you both doing today? Doing great.
0: Doing pretty well. That's good.
1: So let's go ahead and dive right into Coming to America. I watched it for the first time last night, and I have to say I really liked it. I think looking up what type of film it is before I watch it has really helped me as far as my enjoyment of the film. Knowing it was a rom-com and knowing what to expect from those types of movies really helped me enjoy it more.
0: Would you say that's something that you should do like moving forward or was it just because like you were kind of curious about this film or is that just kind of like hey you know what it's going to be a new standard from here on out for any film that I watch prior
1: to a certain year? I think if it's before 2005 i'm going to look it up i think that's just going to be a standard just due to how comedy changes throughout the years it might not be exactly what i expect from a comedy so i don't know if it's exactly meant to be funny or if it's meant to be you know a serious moment whether i'm supposed to laugh or not so yeah. i think that will become a standard
2: should have also helped you in some regard i was an eddie murphy movie
1: See, that's the thing. I don't really know any Eddie Murphy films, except for when he's doing voice work.
0: Yeah. So Regent, actually, when I was going through the film, when I was looking at all the celebrities in the film, a lot of the people who either were a big name at that point, or they became larger after the film, even if me and Regent talked about it, we would almost have to explain every single person to venture.
2: It's like a bingo card for him. (laughs)
0: yeah exactly and not saying that's a bad thing but it's it's very interesting because i think we're like 10 years older than you but 10 years have made that big of a difference that almost a whole generation of celebrities is not known to a certain group of people or not Mm -hmm. well known Mm -hmm. or do we have to explain something from our childhood just to catch speed yeah
1: like i've recognized some of the names in there of course i recognize samuel l jackson and james earl jones Two of the names that I recognized their look, I just didn't know their names to go with them, is Arsenio Hall. I think mm-hmm. I'm saying that correctly. That's good. Yeah, and then John Amos. I recognized both of those. And Louis Anderson, is yep. that his name? Okay, I recognized all three of those. I
0: almost didn't think you didn't know Louis. I was worried if you didn't know
1: about him. I think he's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and that might be where I know him from.
2: He also had a Louie Anderson TV show, both physical and cartoon based in the 90s. He's okay. a very profound, blunt, like angry middle-aged
0: comedian. Okay. And that's how I actually got to know of him. I believe it was the cartoon series first of all, but I kind of had an inkling of him because he was definitely one of those comedians that at least stood out in the 90s. I wouldn't say he was like a top comedian. He was distinguished enough that people did know of him after about 99 or 2000, I know he hosted Family Feud for a while. Yep. And then after that, I watched one or two of his stand-ups because he at least did get, like, a big enough project to have a stand-up comedy show. But other than that, I never kept up with his career past that point.
1: Yeah, there are two names that I think maybe peaked at this point. Sherry Headley. Correct me if I'm wrong, this was sort of, like, her big break. Yep, I think it's fair. And then... I haven't seen Vanessa Bell. I don't think I saw her from anything.
0: The woman that he was supposed to marry before he left, like right at the beginning. Okay. Yeah, she was definitely a lesser known individual at this point. So yeah, I can definitely give you that one too. Most of those people came back for the second one. We're not going to really talk about the second one on this one. And I haven't watched the second one either, but I do know they got most of the people back. That's kind of how I knew about where her career went to. Some of the names in the movie... They've done a lot, just a lot of more impact on a smaller level. I would easily say over half the cast have done way more significant stuff. Coming to America was nowhere near their peak. It's something that you might bring up. Sure. So like for you, I would say, okay, so you you brought up about four or five. So kind of looking at the cast, kind of just throw some quick ones out there. I would say Arsenio Hall, definitely good call. It's funny about Samuel Jackson, because I would think back when he was in the movie, You know, he has a memorable part short. It's almost like that part of him being the film was in retrospect. Looking back at Samuel Joe's history, I would say it was about after Pulp Fiction. That was the one that I really feel like really put his name on the like the big dollars. And after that, you know, he started getting bigger films. He was in other stuff between that time. Pulp Fiction to me is where. I feel like his name really got into lights and stuff like that. And then people were like, oh, you know, he also was in Coming to America. Oh, he was? Oh, yeah. You know, right. (laughs) he's the guy doing the Robin the joint.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is in retrospect. I don't know his early career. I have seen Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I think it's just due to time periods.
0: You got Pulp Fiction. That's good.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was one of the ones where it was a huge part of pop culture, and hearing people reference it all the time. And I had coworkers who're like, "You have to watch this." So that was one of the things. As soon as I could, I watched. I was very surprised to see that Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall played multiple characters in this movie.
2: Oh, that is a Eddie Murphy trope later on in his career. Yeah. Okay. Like, like he did it for like better part, of like the '90s and the a couple early 2000 movies. Like, the yeah. Knight Professor series, he got so popular off of it that even uh, Eddie Griffin tried to do his own version for a hot second, and he completely bombed his opportunity.
1: Well, wow. Yeah, because, like, Arsenio Hall, he played, like, four characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. I really like that, but, like, it was cool to see them everywhere. At first, I didn't pick up that Reverend was Arsenio.
0: I can definitely agree that on my first watch, <laughs> I, I didn't pick up on that, which I love at the end... They're proud of it. Like, Let's go ahead and show you how many of these people were actually in the film that they played.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really appreciated that. Something else I really appreciated was the intro to this movie, the music and just like the beginning credits. Normally, I would skip that, but the music was so solid, especially on a good pair of speakers. I have a 7.1 surround sound, so just listening to that on the surround sound was so good. It got me hooked on the movie. Pretty early on to say.
0: Yeah, it's those little subtle details in movies like this that can go unnoticed. Or I would say that maybe the casual moviegoer. So even though this is like a comedy film, when you go back to so 1988 and go 88, that's my that's my year. I think that's you too, Regent. You were born in 88, right? Uh, I was born the, within the first seven days of the new year. Therefore, the whole year is mine. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Fair enough but it likes me more so yeah
2: (laughs) you tell yourself not in the mirror all you want
0: (laughs) so we're coming in in america kind of thinking about the social impact and stuff like that is you know you got this predominant black cast and then also bringing in africa which sometimes can get a, a negative connotation and then also bringing in black people being wealthy it was those subtle things that first of all the great thing was they didn't try to make it a big deal You know, it wasn't like, oh, we got to change the whole social concept of all this stuff. It just presented like this was normal. That's what I loved about the intro to the film was like, for them, this was normal life. This wasn't like something of a significance. Everything that they were doing, the music, the wealth that was shown, the respect, the power. Like, this is just regular life. And, you know, it's a little bit of satire, making fun of it. I never felt it was a disrespect, though. I always felt it was definitely a funny way of making it like, hey, here these wealthy people in Africa, and it's almost like they've gone too extreme with
1: tradition. Right. Yeah. No, I would definitely agree. I f- like, I didn't really notice some of the things you did. Maybe that's because I was just sort of sitting there watching the movie, trying to gauge what I thought of it. I would agree with you. It felt really solid all the way through the intro. And it definitely felt like they weren't trying to be super flashy with it. They just were like, hey, this is normal life for them. And especially with Akeem's character, this was his normal life, but he didn't want it to be. So I really appreciated that.
0: Yeah, and this was my second full watch. When I was growing up, we didn't own a copy or anything of the movie. And I think my parents definitely saw it when it first came out. I saw bits and pieces on cable TV. It was never a movie you would put on primetime, at least when I was growing up, because it was 90s. But, you know, it could be one random Saturday. It could be on at 2 p.m. on TNT or something like that. So I always saw bits and pieces, but it wasn't until I went to college I had the opportunity to see it from beginning to end. So watching it recently was my second full watch. So I definitely picked up on more things than I did the first time.
1: Okay. And I'll ask you real quick. What did you think? Like, since this is only your second watching, what did you think of the movie?
0: Well, I loved it even more. It is definitely a classic in my book. I think the first time I watched it, I kind of treated it just a standard comedy movie. Now I can appreciate the tones, kind of like the first speech that I just brought up earlier about like when the time period, what this also can reflect on some of the things that this really represented. Like no one the history of America and certain things like that and Black actors and actresses in Hollywood and stuff like that. And even just Eddie Murphy's level of power i would say and i say power because he had a lot of direction in the film that he had control over and he was telling the production company of like what he wanted i just looked at the film differently like i kind of looked at it as almost like a play it's like i could see the actors as they are actors putting on a play versus when i'm younger i'm literally just watching it as a movie. I know it kind of sounds weird, but I think it kind of makes sense. You kind of almost look at it outside of the film itself and who the actual actors and actresses are as individuals as they're putting on this show.
1: I can agree with that. Sometimes that in modern-day Hollywood, that's something they try and break away from, especially with newer roles, I should say. They want to cast no-name actors so people don't necessarily focus on the actors, and they can just focus on the characters. But I can see how in retrospect we know their careers and where they're up to with today's date and we can look back on their older stuff and have that perspective that you have now. what what's your history with this film?
2: For me directly, it would have to be growing up watching it um, when Eddie Murphy was really starting to hit his rhythm. But I also noticed that a lot of times with him in particular, if he had a new movie coming out or a new project, Conway Central or Spike now Paramount would play this movie. I also would see a lot of commercials during the month of February for Black History Month, where there'd be a lot of promotions for like his work or you know, Paul, James Earl Jones. Like they would play like these movies in rotations in respect to them. Outside of that, the rest of the year, you only find it when it comes around time when it's someone's new project. They play the oh hey, here's a new project, but by the way, you remember this movie? Cool, we're gonna play this. Three, four times in the span of one to two days. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I thought it was genuinely funny. I mean, I could go back and really watch it again if I really want to. It's one of my more favorite Eddie Murphy movies that he has in his catalog, that's for sure.
1: I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. I would definitely watch it again.
0: It moved up. After watching it the second time, it moved up my list. Being a 90s kid, actually one of the earliest movies i ever seen in life was Beverly Hills Cop 3. That movie have a special place in my heart. Eventually, I rewatched the Beverly Hills Cop series. And then, of course, I saw The Nutty Professor, Dr. Doolittle in theaters, Then like Shrek. Coming to America was like, by the time I watched that, I had already saw almost two decades of Eddie Murphy films that I had already fell in love with. It couldn't jump up too quickly, but on a second rewatch, it definitely has moved up i definitely put put it above nutty professor now no doubt about it which that's that's a movie venture that you're not going to miss out on if you don't if you haven't watched it
1: i haven't watched it well hold up which nutty professor are we talking about the one with eddie murphy yes okay yeah i've seen like the old old one wait the very first one of
2: his are you talking about the original one the original
1: nutty professor before it was remade
2: Okay,
0: I'm, I know it's what you're talking about. Yeah, wow, that now that's a throwback.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I would say for most of society, when you say nutty professor, they're gonna think of Eddie Murphy's.
1: Yeah, that like when I heard he was in a nutty professor, I'm like, wait a second. I don't remember Eddie Murphy in that movie. <laughs> Probably because it was made in the 60s, so yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. For a bunch of people, I would say that's how they or not a bunch of people, a bunch of younger generation. I would say our generation and maybe a little bit younger. That's how they got introduced to Eddie Murphy, which that actually brings up a good question. I know you said you've only heard him in animated films. So was that your introduction to Eddie Murphy? Yes.
1: My introduction to Eddie Murphy was actually Mulan. Oh, okay. And then into the Shrek movies. So those are literally my two movies or two series I've seen him in.
0: Did your parents allow you to watch that when you were a kid?
1: Yes. Now,
0: why do you feel that was okay versus some of the other stuff that, you know, finding out was not that bad, but they didn't like it?
1: Hmm, How do I say this tactfully? You know what? I'm not going to say it tactfully. They enjoyed the movies, and they didn't want to have to make kids go to bed so that way they could watch them, so they literally just let us watch it with them.
2: (laughs) Did they appreciate the Muffin Man joke?
1: Oh, I appreciate the Muffin Man joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of... How my parents did things sometimes. If they liked a movie that wasn't exactly to their standards, they sort of would just let it fly under the radar. Just be like, okay, this movie's okay, even though it has bad things in it, according to their standard.
0: It's interesting that that's when you picked up on Eddie Murphy, because I would say if I looked at when we talked about someone peaking their career, I don't want to say it negatively. But at least Eddie Murphy from being the star power, because there's a particular film that I feel like most people, at least over 25, maybe over 30, remember bombing, which was a uh, uh, region. Was it Pluto? Pluto, man. Or Oh, God. yeah, You Pluto know exactly man. what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. <laughs> that yes, is I do. when Eddie Murphy's career in Hollywood, the production companies didn't see him as top anymore. And I don't mean that in disrespect to to him and his career. Everyone always peaks at some point. And that's kind of where I think it's called Pluto Man or something like that. The Adventures of Pluto Man or something crazy. Either way, it was a movie they spent so much money on. It was supposed to be a family film, kind of like a comic kind of thing. And it just tanked so bad that after that, he never had a role. Well, no, so Pluto Man, Pluto was one of them. But the other movie that also tanked terribly was Norbit. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that was, like, try number two, and that just put the nail in the coffin. It was like, we'll give you one more try, uh, like a rip-off of Nutty Professor, <laughs> and, and it didn't work.
2: Yeah, the, the adventures of Pluto Nash.
0: Pluto Nash, there you
2: go. They were literally five years within each other, because in that gap you had first I Spy movie, Daddy Daycare, The Haunted Mansion, which was kind of like his kind of redemption from Pluto Nash, Shrek 2, Dreamgirls, which if you've not seen that movie it's a fantastic music movie
0: and then and then norbit happened and then meet dave i loved all those movies in between but norbit i was done with eddie murphy at norbit what i mean by done for me was i'm not going to go to the theaters just because his name's up there after i saw norbit i i was just like okay now i'm starting to feel like these are just throwaway movies and i would wait till i heard the reviews on a movie before i would see it but before then I believe I saw every Eddie Murphy movie in theaters from like 94 to 04 or something like that. Just consistently. If his name was up there, I I was in the theaters for it. But yeah, after Norbit hmm. and I think Hollywood was the same way, which is why I think for you, you only heard his voice versus see him because he right. just wasn't that a lister. I mean, he still is a big name, hmm. I think. People would still pay him a lot of money, but he doesn't need to. He's just established his wealth for so long. He's made his point in history that he doesn't need to do a big movie to prove anything. That's just if he wants to, just for the hell of it.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed, from what I have seen, I've enjoyed. Maybe I just haven't seen his little dips. I'll have to watch one of his dips to see what it's like. I want to talk about his character, Akeem, in this movie. The characters seem vaguely familiar. I don't know if it's because the whole I don't want to be forced into marriage is sort of like a trope. I don't know where I've seen this type of character arc before. It's
2: not just a trope. It's a cultural thing as well. Like that is still very much provident in other eastern based countries around the world that still practices design.
1: Right. I'm thinking more so of like in film.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say it's a trope. I even when I went to rewatch it, I was just thinking like, wow, this movie is way more predictable than I remember because of just the trope itself. But I agree. It's like I can't pinpoint how often or where I've seen this exactly. But I definitely feel like this is a very common thing of maybe possibly just being born into wealth and then having everything handed to you. And you don't feel like you have control over your life and you really want to experience like what the real world is you know, I think that's even in the Bible as far back as that. Whatever story is that the the kid who leaves, you know what I mean? Like leaves. I think that's what it is. That's what I mean is like there's always been stories similar to this. However, on this note, I will say this something I found out. So when you look up everything, essentially Eddie Murphy and someone else wrote the film, say they came up with the film. Well, did a little bit of digging. There was a humorist. He drew a cartoon or something. He created something a piece of work that was very similar to what this film was before the film was ever made. And eventually that guy sued Paramount, which is the ones who produced the film, and he actually won. So, you know, take it however you want, but for them to pay him almost a million dollars, you know, back costs or how you pronounce that in legal terms, but they actually paid him about a million dollars. So I think he proved his case that they stole the idea from him.
1: Oh, okay.
0: But it's one of those things where you pretty much pay someone, keep quiet, and it just doesn't really spread.
1: Yeah, settlement, right?
0: Yep, settlement. There you go. You know, take it however you want. You know, I'm not knocking the movie. I'm not going to take away its legacy. Kind of bringing up what we are talking about is like, where where could this story come from? Is that it was actually probably from a whole nother person that may have already taken an idea from somewhere else for all we know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can really coin the whole born into wealth you know royalty that follows tradition pretty strictly and it has an arranged marriage but then doesn't want to have an arranged marriage wants to marry for love i don't think you can really coin that but i think they might have sued for another reason as far as characters or what the characters do to go find love so maybe that's why
0: especially for a million dollars i can agree that it probably was more characters maybe character design i do feel like When you start getting the specifics, so like, let's say the movie where, okay, Africa, so it was an African country, and then you bring up like going to Queens, New York, and then you have all the the crazy adventures of working at like, I was going to say Whack Arnold's, that's your pal (laughs) show, McDowell's, you know, things like that. It's like, if you had a comic, comedy comic that you did, a humor comic, and you had those specifics, I think you would easily have a fighting case. Like, hey, yeah. this is published work. And this movie, two years later, has the exact same stuff that nothing else would have. Can't see them coming up with. You know, moving on, though.
1: There were quite a bit of moments that stood out to me as far as humor goes. I finally understand the, the royal penis is clean, your highness. I finally understand that. I understand the meme. <laughs>
0: yeah. I heard it in rap songs, and I never knew where that was from until I saw the movie afterwards. So it was the same revelation for me. Talk about, like, level of wealth. (laughs) That's why that that whole concept is That's insane.
1: Just like you have, what, three women bathing you? And you don't have to do a thing. And then literally brush your teeth, wipe your ass, all this.
0: Yeah, that was hilarious. Like, can I uh, go to the bathroom by myself? (laughs) (laughs) Funny joke,
1: (laughs) King. (laughs) Wipers! Yeah, I really like that. And then you can go to, like, the dinner scene. Yeah, it's breakfast, not dinner. And he goes to walk down to his parents. I so badly while they were sitting down, I wanted them to like yell down to their son. But what ended up happening was even funnier that they had an intercom system for this long ass Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I thought I would, was going to predict it. But then they just have an intercom. Oh, man. And then he's like, yeah, don't throw roses at my son's feet anymore the rose petal throwing girls just like gooch to the corner of the room like we're not here yeah yeah and then of course you have the scene where they're training i wasn't sure what to make of that scene
0: yeah i think it's part of movie making where you have world building items that you try to use as well to expand the plot you don't want to run too fast Having this guy be born of wealth and he just leaves everything. Like I do, feel like you need a little bit of build-up time to justify why he would want to temporarily leave this and then pursue another woman. That scene just established more of his character. The whole what they were doing though was just more of just something cool. Like hey, you know, like they may be wealthy, but they are they're not wimps though. They're trained pretty well. Mm-hmm.
1: The coronation scene was pretty cool too. Like. All of the choreography that went into that. The funniest thing to come out of that is the fucking song <laughs> that the <laughs> dude sings. The lyrics to that are even better. Oh, man. Speaking of song. Let your
0: soul, <laughs>
1: An object of affection to quench your royal fire completely free from affection. <laughs> oh, man. It's so good. I really like that.
0: Did you... Watch the movie with subtitles or you just was able to hear the lyrics pretty well? And...
1: I was able to hear the lyrics pretty well.
0: Okay. I was just pointing that out. Cause I was just thinking about like, if you saw this in the eighties in the theaters, I wonder how much you would have picked up on all the, the lyrics.
2: The man said he had a seven channel sound system. So he better be able to hear everything clearly. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was just thinking of the average moviegoer, if they had needed to hear it once or twice to pick up on that joke. Oh uh, Yeah.
1: The next, like, bit of where he, like, pulls his queen to be aside and they just sort of try to have a conversation. She's like, I like whatever you like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Creep me out. (laughs) It's kind of weird. He's like, will you bark? Jump on one leg? And then even when she, like, leaves the room, you can still hear her, like, barking and jumping. Dedication. Dedication. I like. I think one of the best parts of the movie is where he actually does go to America they're like sitting in the car he's like i am not rich what is a dumb fuck oh yeah (laughs) as he says that
0: but you look at all the luggage on top of the car (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: like i am not rich all of the luggage that people steal
0: i was impressed that they actually made it work like i'm not saying that that would work literally but for visual sake because i was wondering i was like they're not gonna fit that on the car but when they actually parked the car, I was like, wow, they actually got all 15 boxes wherever me it was, they actually made it work, pop the trunk, put it on top of the trunk and on top of the car.
1: Yeah. I really like how they like go for an apartment. He's like, I will take your poorest apartment. I laughed out loud,
0: so loud, when the guy <laughs> brought up the dog. When he was like, it was messed up what they did to the dog <laughs> and like they had the outline of the blind guy his walking stick or cane and then the outline of the dog and it was just like then he had the blood on the wall it was just like damn
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i have a question for you two with the whole story arc and we both kind of all three of us kind of talked about how they did it differently what would you say was the character growth for Hakeem eddie murphy's character what was it that he learned from all of this how was he different at the end versus the beginning
2: it's gonna be a combination of. At least originally in the movie, when he wanted to find someone he could truly care about and want to be with romantically. But also not having the courage to like stand up to his parents, like, no, this is what I want. Versus the more teenager approach of saying it once, and he doesn't get it, and it hops and goes away. So there was that growth, at least for him, that character. But then also from a cultural standpoint, of him literally coming to America and seeing difference between his world and another world world would be like i don't want to say he actually sought out understanding but he his curiosity is what drove him to like understand the differences of people around him and like how everyone's almost practically the same it's just he is in a different position than other people but
0: he's still a person at the end of the day The reason why I want to ask that is because even with your perspective, I think it's a great perspective. I do, I have a different opinion on it because I feel like what you're talking about is kind of like, that's so at the beginning of the film though. Both of those pieces, you can kind of say that was his growth at the beginning. I brought this question up because when we talked about the tradition of what a wealthy character would do in a situation like this, in most stories, the wealthy character would go in, try to flaunt their wealth. The girl would be like, no, I'm not into that. I'm not into materials. And he would grow and find out Okay, let me try to win her with personality. The wisdom, of Akeem, was he had that already. That that was his first approach. I would say his growth would be showcasing his true self. So kind of similar thing of him showing his true self, but without the wealth. Because here's the thing: we didn't bring up he actually did lie though, and that was the thing. So he still kind of went about it a little bit of the wrong way because he did lie in the beginning. He had to keep hiding certain things from her. I feel like that was his growth was. Learn to be true on both sides of who you are. Who you are personally. So standing up for yourself, yes. But also don't be ashamed of your wealth. But you also don't have the flaunt. You know, it's just something I didn't pick up until on a rewatch. Oh, huh, you know what? He would have to grow in a different way than with the traditional stories
1: tell. Yeah, I have a sort of a disagreement with that. And that is, I feel like he didn't really grow much. Exactly. If he did, it was accidental like his accidental growth is probably the biggest thing he did of learning to you know work and that's accidental he just did work just so he could get close to lisa i'd say he didn't really grow much as a character and that's okay like the movie didn't really need it
0: yeah it's one of those things that it's a it's a very interesting thing to look at that's why i wanted to bring up the question because that was my first reaction is like i don't really think dude did grow and to be honest i'm i'm with you i could still be OK with that, that he didn't. But in most traditional stories, especially especially in the story of wealth and stuff like that. Yeah, they try to force it that in traditional story that the wealth either made you ignorant or something like that and you had to become a better person. But it's something actually really cool about his character was he was already a great person at the beginning of the film. And it was almost like the world around him had to get to where he was at.
1: Yeah, I think that's something, I even Lisa, during like their dinner date into that, that people just like him. And I think, I don't want to misquote it, but I think she even said she wishes more people were like him, or there aren't many people like him. In that, you say that the world sort of needs to grow to fit around him, and I think Lisa grew more in this film than Akeem. Yeah,
0: isn't it surprising how that happened? Yeah, role reversal. <laughs> that's just good writing. Yeah. The movie was successful, so hey.
1: One of the things that surprised me about the third act, typically in a movie where you have a love interest and they say no because of some form of deception or they committed something bad against this person, they have to like go back to their home or something. But before they can get to the airport or before they get in their taxi, they try and run to their love interest one last time. And that's when they say yes. What I liked is that that didn't happen that stereotype didn't happen at all they completely flip the script he goes home accepting his you know fate and his responsibility to his family and to his country and to inheritance of the throne but then the parents were just sort of like we don't need this tradition here is lisa you get to marry her surprise i really like that yeah it was such
0: a beautiful way Because sometimes when they end movies in a similar aspect, like you said, when it's like super trope predictable, it's not as wonderful. But this one was very beautiful because of how they did lead it up to to that. And they didn't try to milk it either. If this was made by Disney, the whole thing of him going back to his country would have been in the middle of the movie. I do agree with what you were saying. That's traditional Disney faction.
1: Yep. They just linger on it for so long. But literally, he goes home, he sees her, they get married. Like, not even two minutes later, the movie's over.
0: Yeah. The movie knew what it was, and I'm glad of that. They, It was a really good movie for that reason. I do want to add some pointers in the movie to kind of help wrap this up. So the McDowell's, first of all, Regent, did you enjoy the, the McDonald's parody, McDowell's? I did, but
2: I also found it ironic that it was in a Wendy's in Queens. Yes,
0: thank you. You knew where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> it was a Wendy's. Uh, Ventures like whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, but it's kind of cool.
0: Okay, so not not to take too long on this, but I wonder, is that because you grew up in a different generation? Because like I don't know why for me it was so funny that there was a competing company to McDonald's and like they had their own beef and stuff. I don't know why I found that hilarious.
1: Yeah, they had their own beef.
0: Man, hey, I'm a good <laughs> type <of> cliff now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, for venture that was more funny than the actual. <laughs> yeah.
1: <fight>. Pretty much. <laughs>
0: Did you eat fast food when you was growing up?
1: Not a lot. No, we weren't very privileged growing up as far as wealth goes. Eating out wasn't exactly an option for us.
0: I definitely didn't appreciate as much that we did eat a lot of fast food growing up because I didn't even think that there was like families like that around, especially in America, that just that was going to be a privilege to eat fast food. But I can see it because, yeah, it does cost, especially when you're trying to feed a family of four, five, six and whatnot.
1: I grew up in a family of eight siblings, including me. Eating out was a big task, Mm -hmm. even if our parents only had a few of us, just wasn't exactly an option as far as eating out goes.
0: That probably is the reason, is because like I ate a lot of McDonald's as a kid. I, I hate McDonald's now as an adult. I don't enjoy it. But I think that's why I love the joke about that because I mean McDonald's was everywhere. They I don't even know if you knew this venture, but Ronald McDonald from McDonald's, the character from McDonald's, like he went to schools. They actually like would hire an actor or actress to Ew. put on the makeup it was fun as a kid you know (laughs) like i I know in retrospect it's like what but like it was just like a clown i mean it's just like any other clown you would hire for like a party or something like that at least this character you knew who they were the commercials ronald mcdonald was always just this fun guy in the commercial so
1: yeah you can't see my face but it's just pure disgust not just like the mcdonald's (laughs) things but like the clown not a fan. I do want to ask Cookie a question. Have you guys heard of the McDowell's actually being a real place?
0: So I saw a John Amos interview last year, and he spoke about it. Right now, my answer is 50-50. It's like, I want to say, yes, I've heard one is being real. But at the same time, I can't remember if that was just John Amos saying it was a joke.
2: It has its own Yelp page, apparently.
1: Yes. Yeah, so it is, in fact, a thing. Lisa, Dowell, you know, Sherry, Headley. She actually worked there sometimes.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Is it, a, is it in Queens, New York?
1: I'm not sure.
2: The Wendy's that was there is no longer there. They they tore that down.
0: Okay. Yeah, I actually might, as I travel, I might actually check to see if I can run into that place.
1: Any fun trivia from you, Cookie?
0: Well, surprisingly, there's not much trivia. A lot of the stuff I found was just like the traditional stuff of like, hey, this actor... Was in the movie, and they set this line related to another movie. One of the biggest things was related to like Trading Places, which was an yes. Eddie Murphy movie. But I didn't want to take up too much time trying to explain that one because that's going to take a little while. But let's just say there's a great nod to a previous Eddie Murphy film. And if you ever saw Trading Places, it's a, watch that movie and then watch Coming to America, and then you'll definitely see the connection.
2: Yeah, it's him. It's him with Dan Aykroyd. You'll you'll enjoy the comedy in that movie. Yeah, but I have to agree with Cookie. Like the biggest fact that I have, it was Cuba Gooding Jr.'s debut in that movie, and he, he was more or less an a- an extra. Hmm. I would also argue
0: a bunch of people was in the same place. That that's yes. what I mean. Like that's kind of the challenge yeah. about the trivia is that a lot of people can you can easily say it was like their debut films. Now I do have one that I really like. This this is pretty much the only one that I have that's left. It's a big one because okay, so when you look at Eddie Murphy's characters, when I first saw it. I didn't think the white guy, so he's he's actually Jewish in the film, the Jewish guy in the barbershop, I didn't think that was Eddie Murphy when I first saw the movie. Like all these years until the ending credits said it was him. Wait, what? So you didn't know even on your, your watch the no. Jewish guy in the barbershop. That <laughs> even was, now? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why they have the little joke at the end of the movie where he tells that corny ass joke He's like, you don't know, you know, you don't know what a joke is. But that's Eddie Murphy just throwing out a random joke at the end, but it's still him playing on him being that guy. Yeah. Like the makeup artist did a damn good job that, like, yeah, man. And when I was looking it up, the makeup artist that did all the uh, makeup for everybody who became other characters, you know, our senior hall and Eddie Murphy mostly, what he did was when he made that character for the Jewish guy. His father-in-law, he based the look off of that guy. So the makeup artist, his father-in-law, because his father-in-law was Jewish. So they based it off of that. And Eddie Murphy also used that guy as like inspiration for the character. And one day with his makeup on, Eddie Murphy really wanted to test it. He goes to the next lot over, you know, the film lot. So he leaves Paramount's lot and goes to another production company. And he goes and talks to the staff. And what he does is he talks in his normal voice and he's like hey i'm eddie murphy and all his interactions was like no one believed he was eddie murphy and <laughs> then the makeup was so good that <laughs> people were like like bruh i mean your eddie murphy impression is good but you're not eddie murphy like <laughs> like could you imagine that like you're seeing this white guy that's talking about like i'm eddie murphy old white guy and you're like nah bruh <laughs> and one more piece about that that was awesome was you can see this in the movie. The scenes that Eddie Murphy is a different character in the barbershop, but you still see the white guy, like the back of his head. That is the father in law being the stand in. So, the guy they actually used to inspire to make him look like, they actually used him as a stand in during those scenes that Eddie was the other characters. Oh, wow. Something pretty cool.
1: All right, I think that wraps up our episode on Coming to America. I've really enjoyed this film. I'd give it an 8 out of 10 as far as comedy goes. I think I'm going to rate comedies differently than other films. 8 out of 10 for me. 100%
0: agree. Same.
1: What about you, Regent?
2: I would be in the same ballpark, 8 out of 10
1: okay listeners thank you very much for listening i hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did please go ahead and give it either a like or a review depending on which platform you're on also share it with a friend if that's possible for you that's a free way to help support the podcast and it helps our podcast get out there so another thing is we do have an email for submitting movies that you would like us to cover and that email will be in the show notes and that email is cinematicrewindpodcast at com. You can also find us on all of our platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go ahead, find us on there. Give us a follow. We'll update you when new episodes come out. Again, thank you very much for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful day.